1: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for March 24th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find our podcast on its own RSS feed or on the Voices of Wrestling RSS feed on the platform of your choice. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, and I'm joined, as always, by Slow. And KS, uh, how are you holding up right now?
0: Oh, Mike, you know... We came on here at the beginning of March to review the Champion Gate shows, and I was talking about how busy I am and how much stuff I have going on, and how it makes me very happy. I'm happy to be busy, but it unfortunately uh, means I can't consume as much of the grappling as I would typically like to. And three weeks later, things have changed, and I suddenly <laughs> have a ton of time on my hands, and I've been watching more wrestling in the past week than I have. In maybe years at this point, because I've been watching uh, whatever current stuff is still out there. I've been watching old stuff. I've been watching companies that I haven't watched in years at this point. It is an interesting time. There's a lot of very real, very scary stuff going on. But this has opened the voice gate, and I, I just don't, I don't want to think about it for the next however long we talk. I want to stick to the grappling.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of fitting in a way that our last episode covered the two shows, the last two shows Dragon Gate had before this one they had on the 22nd. So it's kind of a morbid uh, symmetry in a way, but no, I'm with you too. It's something that like over the last year, I kind of pared down everything to basically stuff I was covering and other wrestling that I just happened to enjoy. And then like over the, the last few weeks, it's been like, well... I guess this is when I need to start going through like my massive backlog and things that people recommend to me. And then we've done, we'll be talking about something that we'll be doing for the next episode that I've dipped into as well. So I'm just happy that we are back here, that I'm getting a chance to talk to you, my friend, and get to talk to you about a really fun show that happened earlier this week. So this episode of Open the Voice Gate, we are just going to talk about the, uh, start i guess or the restart of dragon gates 2020 they had one show which was from kobe sambo hall on the 22nd which was an empty arena show that some strings were pulled and is now available for free for everyone i believe and you might know this i was trying to find out but ran out of time is this going to stay up on youtube into perpetuity or is it going to come down over the next few days
0: my understanding is that it will be on YouTube from here on out. Now I could be wrong. Um, I could have misinterpreted something, but the way it was explained to me is that this show was on YouTube uh, for as long as, as it needs to be. Uh, So it's on the dragon gate network, YouTube channel, English commentary, full show. It is what like a two hour, 20 minute watch with entrances and promos that are translated by the English commentary team. It is well worth the watch if you have not seen it. It's a very fun show, and it's nice to have new fresh wrestling for you know just it, it's nice to have new fresh wrestling. I was telling Mike yesterday when we were talking about what you know we were gonna do today since we I watched the Champion gate shows. I had not seen any Dragon system content, which is you know three weeks. It's not that impressive and nor is this bragging in any way. It's really a sad truth, but I was saying like I don't know the last time that I went this long without watching a Dragon Gate match or seeing an old Masato Yoshino match or an old Mochizuki match. I saw none of it. I didn't dip into the archives. Obviously, there were no new shows to watch. So this show for me was a nice reintroduction. i like, oh, that's right. I haven't seen these guys in, in a few weeks now. And it's nice to welcome them back into my life.
1: Yeah. And I think reintroduction and introduction is kind of a good uh, keyword for the the show because this is a show that I, for a lot of people who might not be as familiar with Dragon Gate or might have watched it in the past and gave up. The, this was really well featured in my mind as like a good re-entry point because like Jay and Larry did a great job of kind of reintroducing things. This was a very active show. This was a very spirited show. I I, I feel like that was very much like, oh, I guess during their three weeks off, A lot of people decided to watch some old territory studio wrestling and decided to have a show a lot like this. But yeah, this is the longest break I remember since, geez, not even like over like the last few years just because of, it's usually about two and a half weeks off between the final show of the calendar year and then when they restart mid-January. And there's usually like a two week break after Kobe World Pro Wrestling Festival, but Three weeks, this does feel like this was the longest uninterrupted break that Dragon Gate has had, at least since, like, maybe it was since the tsunami in 2011, the tsunami yeah, and earthquake. That would, that would probably be,
0: that's, you're probably right on the money there. So,
1: it, it was interesting, and, you know, two and a half hour watch, everything is very well explained, there, it's a interesting setup that they had, and I think that's probably, a, a, a good way our good first diving in point here is so what i thought this was a pretty enjoyable watch in in total but what were your thoughts overall about this uh glorious gate the true no people gate of pro wrestling
0: i love the show. it is depending on how the year goes and you know quite honestly just how the world turns um it will be one of my most remembered shows at the end of the year. Now, that's not going to qualify into one of the best shows because there's are still going to be your Wrestle Kingdoms and fingers crossed G1 in the fall, some great AEW shows hopefully down the line. But this show will leave an impression on me, not only for the rest of this year, but probably for the rest of time as we go along because it was presented in a way that was just so Dragon Gate. It just felt like they fully embraced this concept More than any other company has, including AEW, who I thought they were very close on their empty arena dynamite show of like they were really close to getting it and understanding the fun you can have in an empty arena. And Dragon Gate just kind of one up them and said, well, we're going to put all of our units at ringside. We're going to have the office there. I want to touch on the English commentators now. It was Drangate J and Larry Dallas once again. The New Age, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon, uh, which is just funny comparing those two uh, the Dragon Gate announcers to the WWF announcers of the 80s, because the in-ring product could not be more different. But in tone, in quality, in their back-and-forth, Jay and Larry Dallas have this great sort of classic back-and-forth banter that they do. They were terrific on this show, if you can look past the fact that Larry Dallas was coming in awfully hot in the mix. His mic is way turned up, but if you could...
1: Uh, my bad uh, <laughs> on that. By the way, that that, that
0: I, I as I told Larry, I would much rather him be a little too loud than not being able to hear him and Jay at all. So I will take this over the December Corkin show.
1: Sure, yeah, no, I uh, I say it's my bad because because Larry always is always asking me. So how are levels? And I was like after the Champion Gate shows, which one of the shows it was very hard to hear any of them. I was like. Maybe tell them to pot it up a little bit. Apparently,
0: <laughs> boy, did they listen. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta get there with a Sharpie and just mark on their knob where it should be at. Just like at the laptop. Just be like, okay, mark it now. This is where it should be at. But yeah, no, this was the the two of them over pretty much the last four months. I think they've now done about six or seven shows together dating back to last year. They've really kind of got this chemistry together that it's, Bobby and Gorilla is a good comp just because of just like the back and forth, the uh, making fun of each other. Like it's very clear that the two of each other have a uh, kind of like an at least on air it feels like an odd couple relationship that's very enjoyable. Especially like whenever like Larry tries to take t- take credit for like some wrestler, and then and then of course then you have Jay saying like, "Well, you're responsible for Monday Ryu," so we-, we see how that's gone for you. And I thought that that was. Really great. and well, well,
0: think about it from the fact that we both know the two on a professional level, and they could not be more opposite from that aspect. I mean, we talked about it last summer on the show of how iHeartDG and Jay's personal Twitter just disappeared at one point. He went away. As for Larry Dallas, you could not get rid of him if you tried. He is constantly letting his voice be heard on opinions. Sometimes, whether you ask or not, Larry Dallas will let you know what he thinks. And the fact that those two (laughs) have been paired together and are in the booth is so wildly entertaining to me. I want to talk skateboarding with Jay. I want to talk life with Larry Dallas. But I just can't picture those two having conversations outside of the booth. But I'm so glad that they are in the booth together because it's really just a delightful pairing. I really enjoy what they do.
1: Yeah, and it's something that I feel like that sometimes commentary and it's such like a uh, rote note with like AEW commentary and then like how WWE is so manufactured this one the commentary perfectly matched the vibe of the show just like just from like the get-go like that they, they acknowledged like what was going on here and like how things were and then it just was a very very like i i, I think you were right when you say this is a show you're going to remember like because at least in the dragon system canon i feel like there is something where a lot of shows And it's usually like by someone like me who has spent far too many hours of my life obsessing about this system of promotions that you'll get like a show like the No Ring show that we've talked about before that it kind of becomes apocryphal in a lot of ways. And this is something that makes me like so happy that they had this kind of very notable show and it's just out for everyone and it's just like oh yeah no this was the show where where the where gamma decided that he wanted to be a first gong kid and they completely played it straight they did not have any like joking about they treated Gamma as if he was like a seven-year-old getting into the ring trying to say who his favorite wrestler was and then the idea that like Anthony W. Morey during one of the brawls went over there and then and then Larry picked up a chair and was using it as the self-defense I thought was just an absolute blast and it's hard to like walk away from this like two and a half hours not thinking like okay this is a promotion that if I was not already watching I have to start watching this promotion a whole lot more just because it was just such a fun time.
0: Well, it's just nice in any sort of creative venture. But I especially in professional wrestling and especially, you know, part of the wrestling that I've been rewatching or just consuming in this past week has been older, sort of early twenty first century American independent wrestling. Because other than AAW, which I attend monthly when they run in Chicago, I have great disdain for the modern indie scene. I just don't like what's going on. I don't enjoy the style. I don't enjoy any of it. And it was tainting my memories of these old indie matches that I used to love. So part of it was going, uh, for me this week, has been going back and watching those matches and going, oh, that's right. You know, your heroes and your punks and your AJ Styles and Brian Daniels and these guys, even – young in their career, they knew who they were, and they had a vision that they wanted to achieve. And on a grander scale, what I've always loved about Dragon Gate is this idea that they know who they are, they stay in their lane, and they execute their vision to the fullest extent. And this was just another example of that, of I wouldn't really want to see this show from New Japan. It would feel a little awkward if Okada was being as jovial in the ring or if Tanahashi came in and did the Gama bit. But in this company it just works and it's delightful to see comedy that is actually funny but does not hinder the product as a whole. I
1: love the show. I'm ready to talk about the opening match if you are. All right, so we've we've talked a little bit about my main main gamma, but before the before the show started, we had the uh, Torimon Army do the introductions and of course with Rio Saito came the first gong kids and everyone played this straight like like almost all the humor on this match was or in the show, I think it's fair to say, was we are doing typical Dragon Gate. It just so happens that no one is here, so we're treating this like a giant studio, and we're just going to go completely to turning it to 11 for this. They called Gamma into the ring. Gamma proceeded to immediately give his shoot name and say that he was 46 years old, and they kind of riffed back and forth there. By the way, did you notice the jacket that Gamma was wearing during this case? I remember he had a jacket on, but I don't remember anything specific about it my main man the 2020 wrestler of the year gamma came into the came into uh kobe, San, kobe, kobe sambo hall wearing a supreme columbia ski jacket
0: yes my man <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, he, and of course uh gamma's favorite wrestler is punch tomonaga which should not surprise anyone at all that gamma lowest punch tomonaga so he got to do the bell entry for the opening match which had gamma in it it was a it was a mixed six-man tag with uh kai punch tomonaga the returning jimmy versus yamato problem dragon monday ryu and Ho Ho loon uh yamato got the win over on punch tomonaga in 14 minutes and 11 seconds with the galleria And case what were your thoughts about this really fun opener
0: I loved this match. I was delighted to see that Jimmy was on the card. I remember when we talked on our last show, you had mentioned that Jimmy was coming over and then uh, the world stopped. And I kind of forgot that he was over there. Uh, but that was a nice surprise seeing Jimmy come out with Kai and Punch Tamanaga. Uh, This was this was a blast. Weirdly enough, and I put this in my review over at VoicesWrestling.com where I have a full written review of the show. Not the first Empty Arena match Yamato has worked. He worked in 2008, an Empty Arena match with Don Fuji, and I have the link to the highlights in that review. But this was 14 minutes of just kind of your typical Dragon Gate opener, but when this match goes 14 minutes instead of 7 minutes, they get a little more time, things are able to breathe a little bit more, and as a result, I thought it was a very, very good match. I gave it
1: 3.5 stars. Yeah, this is... When you, when you give these guys time, and I think that's always been saying that's kind of frustrating with the guidance over there, that usually, unless that there's things planned for them, they are kind of cloistered in like the pre-show or the opener where they might only get somewhere between three to five minutes of ring time. It just was so nice seeing Jimmy back. And I'll say this, since Jimmy was gone, uh, he has been eating well. He has gotten a lot more stout. He is a big guy now. And it was he was really a whole lot of fun in this match, and someone like hoho loon, who you know I think a lot of western watchers who have not followed him since he left w uh, w e would have a lower emit or lower a lower opinion on him. I thought he was perfectly fine here and showing that like w w e does numbers on everyone and it just was like just such a fun opening match. I did very much love how they had. The I forgot exactly. What it was, it was uh, I think Tobinaga, Tobinaga and Ryu, were, uh, Ryu was trying to hit Tobinaga with the problem, but they completely messed it up. And you could hear on um, the the crowd, of the wrestlers start cackling at that. As you know, that they, they all were like, "Oh gosh, this is this of course, this is what happens in our opening match that's free to the entire world." But yeah, this was just was like a really fun opener. It was great to see Yamato and Kai get into it. I mean, they've. They've been tied to the hips since they since Kai's come aboard the company and this was just a really good time. Yeah,
0: I am very curious to see what comes of Jimmy just in the future because it appears that he really likes spending time with the company and that the company really likes him, but he was someone that was brought in. As an undercard guy, he was not pushed as one of the featured foreigners the same way that a Flamita or a Bandito or even a Rich Swan Ricochet, Pac-type were. He, much like Jurassic Boy, he used to come over with Flamita, is an undercard guy. And we saw the same thing with Martin Kirby, who it should be noted that between our last recordings, Martin Kirby announced that he's retiring. My understanding is that he is back in the UK now. What happens – what do these guys need to do to progress? Because we had talked about this with Martin Kirby in particular. Of He was putting in these great undercard performances. He seemed to be over with the crowd. The next two days after he announced his retirement on Twitter – Our feed was full of wrestlers, of uh, Western fans, of native Japanese fans, of Japanese wrestlers, everybody showing support for Martin Kirby, talking about what a great influence in the locker room he was, what a great wrestler he was, but he wasn't progressing up the card in the company. And I just wonder if Jimmy has made peace with the idea that he's just undercard fodder for as long as he's going to tour, or if we'll ever see any sort of resemblance of Jimmy joining a unit and being some sort of a pushed act because I think he's very talented and he's showing just how much he's progressed just by working these openers on it on an almost daily basis during their normal touring schedule. But does he progress up the card anytime soon? Is a question that has yet to be answered.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, my opinion of this kind of goes on, like, with someone like Kirby, who. I incredibly enjoyed I I really liked his ring style. And he was someone that... Some of the stuff I really enjoyed was... When he was getting more time in a prime zone context. Especially Super Sisa last year. He did have kind of the role. And with how things are were kind of situated within the company. That was going to be a role for him. I mean... Obviously I hope all the best to Martin and if you have and what he wants to do afterwards he definitely seems to be someone that if he wanted to get in on the training side of things I think he would be a great person from all that I've been told to be a trainer but for like Jimmy he's only 22 23 like he is someone that is still very young and they like him enough that to my understanding that this is going to be another 6 month tour for him and i've seen it happen and it's happened in this company over a while that there's some people like jason lee who are immediately picked up and go like okay we want to have you but with someone like with with jimmy i feel like that who jimmy is now on this show versus who where he was on his first shows last year he's already grown by leaps and bounds and maybe it is that they want to get him to a certain point or they want to see him constantly step up step up step up before he gets like picked up by the uh, true born army. Cause I feel like that's the natural place for him. And I could see that happen, but it's also going to be something that he could very well end up being someone like Jurassic boy who would come in for months at a time and always kind of do the same thing and leave. So it's kind of hard, but it does seem like that Jimmy, that they do have a certain, um, opinion about him that I think that they kind of like want to see how he grows. If that makes yeah, sense. I think
0: the the fact that he's still being brought over in his, featured at least in televised openers rather than match zeros or dark matches is a, is a good thing for him that shows that they have some sort of trust in him to deliver on a dragon gate standard. It's just a matter of whether or not uh, he moves up the card. And I hope he does, because like you said, it's an entirely different wrestler than the the guy we saw when he first debuted. I've said uh, multiple times now that Ho Ho Loon being as entertaining as he is. And these openers is a test case to, if you consistently work the Gate style, you will become a better wrestler because there was uh, a few people more clumsy and awkward in the ring uh, during their time at any other company than Ho-Ho was. But in Drangate, I he is entertaining for his role.
1: Yeah. And I've seen some of his other stuff that he did in Hong Kong after he left WWE. And I think that it's really a case. And also talking to some people who are more clued in with the, uh, south asia and chinese scene that it just did a number on him i mean we, we've seen how it affects people who are like western wrestlers who come over there and they end up having some sort of issues and confidence issues i could only imagine that be like exponentially worse if you're someone who is asian coming in there and even if you're from hong kong that you are someone who can speak english it's just like a different culture and then the culture kind of messes with you and the wrestling culture especially messes with you that as soon as he got out of the system, I, I've noticed myself going like, "Yeah, you know what? He's been he for what he does. He's he's perfectly fine. And for this kind of role right now, I think Ho Ho Loon is perfectly fine here." I completely agree. So, like I said, I gave this match three and a half stars. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I gave this three flat. I it, it was something that for for what it was, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. And there was like little moments that I was like, "Okay," that that kind of necessarily kind of I. I don't want to say "dang," he just kind of was not necessarily reaching that higher standard for that. Uh, the second match was the only uh, three-way war match of the show. It had the Torimon army member Kagatora, the uh, Dragon Gate home army uh, member Kota Minora, and the RED member Kazuma Sakamoto. So it's the only one that had all three sides of the generational war going on. It would be Kazuma pulling out the win, getting the half-packaged piledriver, on Minenora in 11 minutes and 20 seconds, and this was something. <laughs> uh, what were your thoughts before I get into mine? I, it,
0: it was certainly something. I mean, you're right. I understand why this match existed in the sense that it was the three units doing battle, but I don't understand why it had to be these three. That being said, it was not bad. I mean, I wasn't offended by this match in the slightest, but... I also don't really know if I would call it good. The only moment that really stuck out to me, and it was the first of many times that this would happen throughout the night, but it entertained me every single time it happened was this idea that Sakamoto took Kota Minora to the outside and threw him into a pile of chairs, which would typically send uh, the guy, you know, into rows of chairs. It would create this big disaster, but given the way the show was set up, he sent him into one chair and the chair would just slide back a little bit and whatever cool visual effect that typically is there by these rows of chairs colliding with one another was totally lost. And it was just funny that they committed to that multiple times throughout the show, but it was a fine match. I mean, I gave it three stars. It was certainly an undercard match with three mid card to lower mid card guys. I don't think it has any sort of grand consequences in the scheme of this feud. It was just a match to get these guys on the show. And for what it was, it was fine.
1: Yeah. It, it's something that kind of started one of the running themes, which was, of course, Ichikawa's was in the front row, and he got beat up during this match, and that kind of became a thing that whenever RED had a match, Ichikawa was going to get beat up here. I guess the thing that got me about this, I went two and three quarters, was that usually when you have like a multi-team or multi-sided match in Dragon Gate, and this is something really for someone who might be new to Dragon Gate, usually these matches are what what's considered a sprint where they don't really necessarily go one-on-one that much is mainly okay one person then another person another person and it kind of gets develops a rhythm and that wasn't here because it really was okay two of the guys are doing stuff in the ring the other guy's outside then they throw the person out then the other person comes in so it kind of was like a never-ending gauntlet situation and i think that kind of Drew it down. I did find it very humorous trying to do the chair throw but only having one chair to to throw Minenora in. I thought that was fantastic.
0: It popped me every single time because multiple R.E.D. guys did it throughout the show and every time I was just, you know, you've become so uh, just ingrained into the R.E.D. walk and brawl and throwing guys into the chairs and throwing guys into the crowd and just to see it in any sort of differentiated context was just very, very funny to me. And I I don't totally know why it made me laugh every single
1: time, but it did. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about this show was not necessarily a lot of this is high on star ratings, but a lot of it was just enjoyable in its way. And I think that's kind of like a takeaway. I did also like how on commentary – Jay was kind of describing Kazuma's ring style and made like a talked about a conversation between Mochizuki and Kazuma where Mochizuki called him wacky style or something like this. And then Kazuma looked up and said, oh, you can always predict where a sh- straight arrow shoots. You can't do that with me. And I thought that was really kind of cool note there. <laughs>
0: was a bold, uh, a bold man, some confidence there from Cosmo Sakamoto that I wasn't expecting, but more power to him because he really right, – he is one of those guys that I I, I take a victory lap on Sakamoto, and I have in the past because his debut, which I believe was Dangerous Gate 2018, right. Uh, everybody thought he was going to be Pac, and he was this mysterious ex-RED, was rebranding that night. They had gotten rid of the Antius – Uh, branding and I moved over to R.E.D. Everybody thought it was going to be Pac. It was Cosmo Sakamoto, which just the context of the company at the time was like, oh, God, what are they doing? And I watched that match and I thought, oh, you know what? Sakamoto has the footwork to do this. Like he eh, this might not be too bad. And he's developed into a really a delightful member of the roster, whereas even someone like Kai, I still, when Kai's on shows and he's had great matches in the company and he fits into a certain extent, but it's still like, ugh, this is Kai. But now it's like, well, Cosmo Sakamoto, my God, like he can really work with these guys. And I think it's a testament to him to not be a, a dojo graduate or a trueborn to any extent. And for Dragon Gate to put him in this match with Kagatora and Minora, it says that he is one of them and that he fits the style because this is a match that. You know, certainly wasn't great, but it could have been so much worse had they not been able to work the three of them as some sort of cohesive unit in this match. But Sakamoto kept things together. Kagetora is always just going to be there. I'm not going to do my Kagetora thing about how (laughs) I think historically he's overrated and about how he doesn't try hard really ever at this point. And Minoru is young. This is, you know, probably one of the first triple threat matches he's been in. So it was, you know, in the hands of Sakamoto and he pulled it off and he got the win three stars for me.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been Sakamoto has been a odd delight that I would not think I'd be having every Dragon Gate show if you had have told me that a couple of years ago, but he's really gelled and found his role in the company. The next match is a inter-army match with two. both sides are members of the Dragon Gate Trueborns, which is kind of funny considering two of them aren't Trueborns, but it was the sworn brother team of Bensky, the being Benkei and Kisuke Akuda versus Jason Lee and Oji Shiba, Benke got the win in 10 minutes and 44 seconds on OG. I love this case. I went three and a quarter on it. I just really like the uh, Big Tan Beefy Boy tag team, and I feel like that this was a great match, especially with like OG, who's someone that still is kind of on the climb after coming back after two years off. I thought that he really kind of put a good... uh, performance in here and meshed really well with two guys that have a very distinct match style that not necessarily rookies can mesh with
0: mike what do you think about this bin k okuda tag team not in the sense of their charisma or their output because i think both of those things they figured out and are very strong but is this too big of a step down for bin k because this is a guy that 10 months ago we were talking about as the future of the company in the next ACE and he loses his title in December. And yes, Gate is known for cycling guys up and down the card, but doesn't it seem like he's just kind of in a mid card tag team at this point, And his importance has maybe been lessened a little bit. Do you feel that way about him at all?
1: I feel I'm of two minds and I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because I had a feeling you were going to bring this up. Uh, so, it is true that he's cycled down. And this is something that happens with particularly young champions in Dragon Gate. After their first run, they, they might have some wilderness wandering. I remember with uh, Shingo Takagi, that was a big thing. With uh, Naruki Doi, he basically wandered around for a decade before he really kind of got his teeth back as a tag team worker. Uh, I do think that this is, he is somewhat overshadowed. But I don't necessarily think it's because of cycling down. I think it's being overshadowed in the fact of instead of him leading a unit or joining a unit as like a 1B or the number two person with the uh, three-way war, he's put into a unit with people who are already like established stars and aces like Yamato and charismatic forces like, like KZ that... He, it's something that I feel like that with like how his personality and how he's portrayed, there's no way that he's going to be the person given the mic normally. So, why would he be getting it when it's Yamato and KZ? And it just kind of like creates like a perfect storm where I don't think he's in a bad place. I just think that the situation right now has just made it so that it feels like he's been pulled down as far. When I mean, he still never drops falls. He's the. uh, He's the linchpin of the current Triangle Gate team, and I guess like the real test of this will be whenever they try to heat him back up again. If this did irreparable damage, because I think it's just, I think it's it's a situational thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, I certainly understand
0: that point of view, and I ultimately think you are going to be right. But I am becoming very concerned just because. And and I also have to remind myself that he is one-third of the Triangle Gate champions now, which I think is just lost due to the fact that when they won it, the company stopped running shows, and so we haven't really seen him with the belt in any sort of major capacity, so I I have to remind myself of that, but it just seems like such a step down, and that's not an insult to Kaisuke Yakuda, who they're putting and pushing uh, towards the Bravegate title at this point. He should be in the ring with guys like Jason Lee, because he's clearly above Jason Lee in stature, but Jason Lee can wrestle him in a competitive context. But just this match was, it was a great match, or uh, not a great match, but a good match. I gave it three and a quarter, just like you. I love um, Okuda fully committing to the WrestleMania tan and the bleach blonde hair. I mean, he came out of, it came out to the ring tan <laughs> in this match. I could not believe it. And I followed this man on Instagram. I see his tanning and his workouts all the time, but seeing it all together, I was like, my goodness, this man is ready to headline an 80,000 seater with that tan. I mean, he looked like a Hogan in 87. It was delightful,
1: but... It's a great Instagram as well. Yes, I recommend following Kaisuke Okuda it, on Instagram. If you uh, like streetwear, if you like just a guy being... Paying- very jacked and very tan like right now i'm looking at a photo where he is wearing a i think that's a, a beliciaga hoodie with like a chicken hat on and his skin right now he is so tan that this bright red hoodie is only like a shade more red than him
0: and if there's two people that know streetwear and love streetwear it's me and mike spears and i know everybody knows that just from listening to our voices they're like <laughs> mm, these guys get streetwear and we do so i'm glad you all recognize that But what I don't recognize is Ben K's current state of the company. Again, he's a champion. He's pushed. He's protected. He's not taking falls, which is a very important thing that Mike pointed out. But I don't love the way this tag team is being used. And there's just something about it where Ben K was, he was a frontline guy. He was pushed as the ace. And we did so much work this summer on crowning (laughs) Ben K and all this, which is great because he got his moment and you can't take that away from him that his moment, July 21st, 2019 Kobe world. He pins Pac with a Ben K bomb. And unless something goes horribly wrong, unless they totally mismanage him from here on out, he will be looked at at the very least as an upper mid card guy that can credibly challenge for the Dreamgate title, no matter what they do. Now, this is also Dragon Gate, and in one night, he could powerbomb the right guy and look at the camera the right way, and he could be back in the main event scene, no questions asked. But this tag team, there is something off-putting about it, where it's like, I, he's above this. He's done the mid-card tag team, he's he's wrestled for the Triangle Gate belts with ta- uh, with units that are that are good, that are talented, but don't feel like a cohesive unit to some extent, which is kind of the way that these current champions feel, where I don't think this is going to be a legacy run. This isn't Horiguchi and Susumu and Kagatora or Saito, or, you know, it's not a Jimmy's-level run, it's not a top-of-the-line, three elite-tier guys holding these belts— They'll have good matches. There'll be a lot of good matches in this reign, depending on how long they hold the belt. But it's not a unit in that, like, everybody all in, these are our all-stars type guys. Ben Kaye's working with guys that are a little bit beneath him. And I'm just concerned about his future and whether or not optically it's a poor decision because eventually the hope is that he will come back to the Dreamgate scene. It's just a matter of when and where. And now I'm afraid of how they might do it because he's been so de-emphasized in the past few months. But maybe maybe I'm just being overly cautious because it is Ben K and he does seem to be the crown jewel of the future of this company. I just want
1: everything to go well with him. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple reasons why, if you're someone who, because I do think that this is something that a lot of people will be new to the promotion because of how this show is released. You're not saying this from a part of just being overly protective. This is a company that traditionally has cut the uh, cut their younger stars off at the knees. It hasn't been as much in this recent era, especially since the new management. They have not necessarily have done that to their younger stars, but there is a there is a reason to be concerned. And yeah, I feel like that this uh, Triangle Gate team, if anything, is more the uh, platform for Dragon Dia than it is for Ben K. and they needed a linchpin for the team and you can do the generational thing that these are the kind of like the older brother with like his two younger brothers tag team but like that's not necessarily something that's going to be strong and be uh, in Ben K's immediate interests if that makes sense yeah and, absolutely and at the same time it does seem like that now that this is going to be a doy Reign, and I get the feeling that this might be a little bit of a longer doy Reign, that it's just what they can do to make sure that he stays at the credible level, and then, as you said, it, there could be a, a night where he just completely dismantles someone, and then he's back to being at the forefront. And I I totally get like the concern about it, and it's one of those things that, I hate to say it, but it's just like, I have to see like this, like right now, because he does kind of look a little bit more awkward. Like him in shorts is just a weird look for the guy who had such like an established like aesthetic that worked with him. And then even with the idea that him and Okuda are sworn brothers and that they're together on this, it's just it's something that it's I can't like shake the idea that you're saying. But at the same time, I'm also like. I don't know like how this is, or how, however long this lasts, this war lasts. It very well could be a position where, coming out of it, he starts a unit with him, Okuda, Daya, and Strong Machine J, and he could be completely be put in the leadership role, and I think that that could be, a. I think he could be right back to where he should have been right now.
0: I agree. It's uh it's something to monitor. Right. I I'm not panicking yet. I don't think it's an imminent threat. There's no imminent danger there, but it's something to monitor as we go along is what exactly is Ben K doing? Is he taking falls? Is he being protected? And who is he in the ring against? And those are my thoughts on that match. I gave it three and a quarter, like I said.
1: Yeah, three and a quarter as well. I thought OG really stepped up here. There was it just was a fun tag match. Uh there was a really neat uh double-team move where Benkei had OG and the Benkei left, and then Kisukei just kicked him right in the face. <laughs> you know? Like, I thought that was a real brutal move. This was just like a fun Dragon Gate tag team match. Uh, well, what What have your thoughts been about OG since his return?
0: OG has not left a great impression on me, but I've always enjoyed the work OG has done. It's a matter of him staying healthy and then at some point... Having some sort of defined character, but just like Kabune and any of the other youngsters that Drangate has in their in their uh, radius right now, I am all for any sort of youngster getting in the mix. and I like them wrestling established guys. I mean, that is something that Drangate is so good about is having their main eventers and these established stars uh, adapt Uh, their skill set to work with these younger guys and then develop them in a way to where the young guys become more and more credible. Oji Shiba has a large hurdle to clear because he missed two years, and whether it's fair or not, he just is looked at as weaker in my mind now. But in terms of in-ring performance, I mean, he hasn't, I don't even want to say he hasn't embarrassed himself. He's been very good. It's just a matter of him getting more reps and more opportunities.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And then also, how does he do things to differentiate himself or his, from his brother? I think it's going to be something to really watch for him as as he goes along in the career and, and starts to reestablish himself. Because I, I Larry did make an g- interesting reference calling him basically like a red shirt because that's very much kind of like the situation because he's restarted basically exactly where he was when he blew out his knee. So, match four was a uh, Mon Army versus R.E.D. match. This was the... Master and protege team, the Double Dragons, Ultimo and Dragon Kid versus Hyo and his best friend Diamante. Uh, It was 11 minutes and 37 seconds. Dragon Kid got the pin on Hyo with the Bible. And this is where we kind of got into the incredibly wacky and just out of control part of the showcase.
0: I am stunned that Ultimo Dragon worked this match. Or worked this show, rather. (laughs) I cannot believe... He showed up to this and he's the one guy and I'm not picking on Ultimo because I've said my piece on Ultimo. I think he's probably more trouble than he's worth, at least in the ring. He's had matches that I find to be absolutely abysmal since his return, but he's also had excellent matches since his return. I'm real conflicted on it. Steel, but this match was, he was exposed in this match greatly just because everything he did looked so soft and, Against a guy like Hiyo, who's so small, it's like really like lay your stuff in there. Diamante, who is, you know, in this company for someone to work with Ultimo because Ultimo likes him and trusts him. And, and a few of their interactions were fine. But I look at this as the Dragon Kid show. I thought Dragon Kid was so good and so entertaining in this match. And historically, he's just one of those guys that. Because he's never been a Dreamgate champion, he's never worked at the top of this promotion, when guys that have worked at the top of this promotion are slighted always uh, to some extent in a historical context, a guy like Dragon Kid, it just is going to get the raw end of the deal kind of no matter what. But you watch a match like this and you think, well, you know, he's in his 40s at this point and he's still able to do all the things that he does. I mean, my God, he was good in this match. Ultimo aside, because Ultimo brought nothing to the table, really, other than uh, his kind of modified monkey flip spot where he sent Diamante over the top rope. I love that spot. I always think it looks very good. This was a an entire match built on Dragon Kid being great, and because of that, I gave it three and a half stars.
1: You see, I, I'm going to argue from a different sense of... I thought that since, obviously, the endpoint is going to be some sort of Big singles match between Ultimo and Diamante. I watching this match in that mind, I ended up enjoying this for kind of like them both going for like mask tears and just starting like the lucha kind of build up for it. And I thought that was fine, uh, but I really like the finishing stretch with Dragon Kid and Hio. I think that those two have some great chemistry. I think it, that Hio, who's basically not a, he's not as around as much but whenever he is he's he, he's the lost post for his team i feel like that he was strong in this he's grown himself a hell of a beard i didn't see that coming out of hio in this down time so that's I what, thought
0: he was i thought he was Ato when he walked out right I, yeah it took me like until the bell like from his entrance to when the bell rang, i was like oh that's right that's yo that's not oh h is in another match i was actually confused by it because he came out looking like a man in this match and it was just uh, it was a nice change of pace quite honestly
1: he's got a good beard you know i i've been growing my isolation beard out and i see his and i'm like all right this kid is 12 years younger than me and his beard like laughs me what the hell man so (laughs) i i I thought that was interesting but yeah no this is a match that i i think with like ultimo like he had if you leave japan right now there's no promise that you'll be able to do anything for for two weeks when you get back into japan so him he's not going to go back home or go to his estate in mexico he does apparently have a very palatial estate by the way case
0: Oh, you're kidding!
1: Oh, it's uh, it's lovely. Another great Instagram to follow is Ultimate Dragons. There's a lot of him sipping around, being incredibly handsome and drinking wine at his estate. I appreciate it a, a whole lot. <laughs> this is what I've done in-, in this time off: is like watch people's uh, Instagram to see what they've been up to. Yeah, no, there's
0: uh, I've never seen more Instagram live content uh, than this past week, which (laughs) for me, it's been nice because a bunch of musicians that obviously can't tour right now and don't you know, are struggling to find a source of income. They've been doing live Instagram shows, which has been very fun. It's just something different. And every night I can kind of take my, my mind off of just everything that's going on. Uh, Ultimo dragon, not on my list of follows, but someone I will definitely lurk after the show to see what's going on. Uh, cause I'm fast.
1: I'm just fascinated by the, the life that man lives. I mean, I, he's very much a wrestling man of leisure and i I, I, and in life yes he is i've seen him work (laughs) (laughs) he is leisurely so uh he does have some life goals there i mean i would like to have just a nice a nice brawl instead of like a full bore match i mean it's aspirational but yeah it, it this was kind of the start of red tearing up sambo hall this is really when stalker chikawa ran into the ring just to eat a suplex which had me just start laughing out loud which was like yeah that was moment.
0: that was uh, you're right this was the start of a lot of interference coming in uh some of it was welcome some of it wasn't But the stalker chikawa suplex spot by all means welcome <laughs> that was just highly enjoyable uh
1: for 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 whatever reason uh Toryumon army Got the idea of we're just going to be ridiculous as crowd this show more so than any of the other units and I feel like that just wanted to point out there Genki Horiguchi getting everyone's autograph and you know he's going to go put those autographs online and sell them. Oh you know?
0: absolutely and he should because Genki Horiguchi, Genki Horiguchi is a hustler first and a wrestler second and it's nice to see him have an opportunity to hustle on a Gate show.
1: It was delightful. Exactly exactly so I don't really have much other thoughts on that match. Uh, do you have anything really else you want to hit on before we move on to the semi and the main?
0: No, Speed Muscle versus BB Hulk and Takashi Yoshida is up next. Mike, what did you think about this?
1: I liked how wild it was, but it also was really just a appetizer course for the main event, and it's kind of hard to rate or review a match like this. It was just kind of, kind of wild of a match, and especially for someone like Yoshida who, you know, the, these are the kind of matches you get with him. It, it was interesting watching this because in theory, you have very much the people that were at the forefront of the first, like true born charge when Dragon Gate, when Tori became Dragon Gate, it was very much, they started elevating Yoshino and Doi. Then Hulk came through and Yoshida came over in 06. So I thought that was very interesting to watch in that regard i uh, but with like the murky finish it just like i can't rate this match it just was very much was like a match that was wildly entertaining and just kind of like a free willing brawl but not really a match in of itself
0: had this match continued the way it was going and had a clean finish this would have been a notebook match for me I easily, was easily. well on my way to giving this four stars because it just as soon as Yoshino and Doi started hitting their their tandem combinations, it just jumped out at me just how good these guys are. Um, and then the match went nowhere. Uh, it was interference and it was called a DQ, which is unfortunate because, like Mike said, and like I just said, it was on its way to being something really great. This is what uh, once again, where we go back to kind of the way Masato Yoshino exists in his you know, final run with the company, because as far as we know, he's still planning on retiring at some point this year, likely in November towards Gate of Destiny and after his homecoming show. That seems to be the general idea, but we don't know that for sure. I, I don't know. I understand why they're doing what they're doing, where he's focused pretty much solely on R.E.D. It's him and Ata and eventually they're going to do a big singles match and Ata is going to get a big win. That just seems like it's the direction we're heading. Mm-hmm. And I don't begrudge them for that. That makes sense. But the journey to get there of a lot of tag team matches that are ending in DQs, which I don't like, and that's an Ultimo thing that seems to be far more prevalent since he came back into the company of these non finishes, which I'm just not all that into, uh, but specifically just He's wrestling R.E.D., and he has the match, and then they do some sort of post-match beatdown, and then we rinse and repeat, and we do it all again in the next town. And that's fine to an extent, but because there's so much mystery about when he's going to retire, we don't really know what we're building towards. We just kind of know that we're on this journey there. And I'm I'm not crazy about the journey, even if I understand that it's necessary to get to the final destination. I just want something new. I wish... I wish maybe this had started a little bit later in the year and we got to see Yoshino wrestle younger Dragon Gate guys and focus his time on the Dragon Gate army a little bit more. But instead, he just seems fully locked into R.E.D. and Ata specifically. And it's just a bummer because I I feel like there could be better, more intriguing uses of his time. But I also understand the way that Dragon Gate looks at Ata and values Ata, And I understand just, you know, why it's the way it is.
1: Right. Like Ata does need the scalp. Like, yes, a, for sure. It, like that logic there is sound. They tried to do it with a suit of dragon kid. It didn't necessarily have it because, you know, it's dragon kid. Like as much as I love the guy, he's not the uh, the the guy waving the banner for the company. But yeah, it, it's one of those things that I would when you talk about fighting the uh trueborns. I started immediately imagining what if he just had like a bunch of like. Exhibition Road matches between Kobina, uh, Kabune, uh, uh, Kame, and just, like, the younger guys in the roster. Like, I want to see what 10 minutes of Masato Yoshino versus Kota Minora would be, you know? Like, like, yeah,
0: that's exactly it. Is It's wrestling Kabune and Minora and Dragon Diet. That's what I want to see more right. of. And I understand that Dragon Gate maybe doesn't want their prized possession, their all-time ace wrestling young boys in this final year, I understand that, and I recognize that that's just something that I want, but there has to be a middle ground between that and just the constant R.E.D. bickering and nonsense that we see on a consistent basis.
1: Right, yeah, and even with, like, a a brawl that, like, involved Kobune giving, like, a textbook Ipe scoring judo throw on Yoshida in the middle of the ring, it just got kind of ridiculous in this, and hey, if they want to have something, case to keep... Masato Yoshino's a, a happy and busy. As soon as this thing, as soon as the, this quarantine's up, as soon as international travel happens, I'm coming, Masato. I'm bringing my glove. We're going to have a catch. You got the thumbs up. I got the thumbs up. It's going you to happen. You
0: got the thumbs up. How awesome is that?
1: I feel weird about my ability to speak things into existence, Case. <laughs>
0: Well, you're so powerful. (laughs) I
1: I, I mean, as someone who has weird levels of egotism and not as – I'm not necessarily a full-on psychopath, but I understand, like, the tendencies of that. Not necessarily, but
0: you're on the track to being there. I've seen the way you do notes. I've seen the way you organize your life. Not a psychopath. Not a psychopath. But close. (laughs) (laughs) But there are some tendencies that overlap.
1: I I do care ultimately too much for the welfare of other people to be classified as a psychopath. Oh, you're such a
0: giver. You are so kind, Mike. I I mean, (laughs) that's that's (laughs) the one difference, is that you're too nice to be a psychopath. (laughs) How how generous and how humble of you. I'm so glad that at these trying times, Mike is here to remind us he's actually too kind to be a psychopath. It's really brave of him to admit, uh, but he's here doing it. That's the cool thing about Mike Spears. He perseveres kind of no matter what. Hey,
1: we're going to get through this, and I'm going to help us get through this.
0: Yeah, everybody just listen to Mike. Everybody, <laughs> let's just get some knives, go into the woods, live the Mike Spears lifestyle.
1: Hey. i might have bought a bunch of knives last year but in retrospect was that such a bad idea no you were ahead of the curve i mean i i've almost picked up the banjo that might be my next thing case no no it will not (laughs) (laughs) just imagine how how bad the audio of the show will become if in recording when you're talking you just hear me like slowly plucking yeah, it huh. might
0: make some of my monologues a little more entertaining if I can get some like under under uh, uh under that some banjo music in the background. That might be nice. We'll we'll go to the chalkboard. We've both have some time on our hands right now <laughs> to
1: experiment with the show. Uh, we we need uh, Iron Mike's Real Americana band on. Of the show. course That's we it. do. That's Yeah, it.
0: get some Aaron Bentley action in here.
1: That seems like something he might enjoy. Hey, hey we've the- we've talked about it. We've talked about <laughs> it. We we might get to a point where somewhere in the backwoods of Appalachia, uh, Aaron Bentley and I he he's been learning mandolin. I've been thinking about the banjo. We just need to get someone who can maybe play the lap guitar, and you know we might be we might be touring with Aaron Bentley's a favorite person in the world. Jason Isbell. Who knows?
0: God that. You know what? If shit really hits the fan, <laughs> let me know, because that does not sound that bad. Hey. That that does not sound bad, much like our main event, which yeah. was excellent. Mike, what are your thoughts on the main event?
1: Yeah, the main event was R.E.D. versus Trueborns, uh, the team of Ada, Big Archimitsu, and Ishida versus KZ, Dragon Daya, and Yosuke Santa Maria. I love this match. Like This is the kind of matches that... Really give me confidence about Dragon Gate and its hit and its future. I mean, you have these guys where the oldest guy in this match is KZ and he's like thirty three. He's he's my age, and then you have someone like Dragon Daya who's in his who just turned twenty, I think, like last year, so he's twenty one. M- Maria is in her like twenties, and then Ada, Big Harshimizu, and Ishida. None of those guys are thirty. Like this is one of those matches that like I watch, and they're like the confidence of this match. And the three and the six wrestlers in it, and you watch this match, you're like, okay. Whereas I remember us having a conversation case in 27, 2018, 27 and 2018, talking about how we were a little concerned about the future of the company and how things were going. But watching a match like this reinstilled a lot of confidence I have in the future of Dragon Gate. Uh, went, uh, went four flat on this. This is my, th- this is a, highly recommended match and it just was a great great just freewheeling like this is for like generational wars these are kind of the matches i want to see in generational war so i was very happy with this match and hey we did learn a very important fact that big Shimizu's favorite american football team are the buffalo bills for whatever reason
0: that's that see and this there's so much good to come out of larry dallas being in the company and having some sort of an active presence i think larry dallas is actually a giants fan now that i think about it but i can't help but feel like he's influenced big r shimizu to become a member of the bills mafia which makes sense i mean if anybody was going to fit into that scene big r uh, ask questions once and moves on, and then does the action. He's not someone to double uh, to to question things. Consider his uh, actions. Consider his actions. Really put much thought into his actions. So Bills Mafia makes sense. More power to him. He's got That's to power
1: bomb some people at Ralph Wilson Stadium <laughs> through exactly. a table. Exactly,
0: and you know, just knowing him, he'd be more than happy to do it. So uh, good for him, I guess. It's unfortunate that that's the life he's chosen to live. But I'm also an L.A. Rams fan, and it has been a uh, turmoil-filled 24 hours with our new logo being announced and unveiled and everything that has gone on with it. That's a conversation for Open the Football Gate coming this fall. (laughs) This main event, I gave four and a quarter to. I... Loved it. I, I probably gave it a quarter star bump just because it's the best empty arena match I've ever seen. But Dragon Dia went from being someone that Take was. Take your lap.
1: Tape your victory lap. It's here.
0: just he was I, I said give him time because Mike was ejecting really early on this kid. And I understand why because he wasn't exactly the most thrilling of characters when he first debuted and was doing the the teaming with Dragon Kid stuff. And was just, you know, pushed, but wasn't over. And it was just his first few months were very awkward. And then he got sick and wasn't around much after the rookie ranking tournament. And it looked like it was going to be a colossal failure. But when Dragon Gate puts their efforts behind somebody the way they did, not for him now even, as one-third of the Triangle Gate champions, but as they did for him in his debut... I there was clearly talent there. There was clearly some sort of plan and some level of trust. And over the past six months since November, we have seen Dragon Die evolve from a wrestler that could sometimes be good to a wrestler that is often great. And it has been such a rapid transition into greatness, into being over, into being a pushed commodity, and it is insane to see his trajectory. We were talking to someone just yesterday that was trying to do a big Dragon Gate catch-up. They hadn't watched any of the products since Final Gate And they said, you know, what are the matches I need to watch? What are the shows I need to see? And what do I need to know? And we gave them a list of matches. And then I felt like pointing out, oh, the other thing, Uh, Dragon Daya is super over and he's pushed as a mid-card, kind of upper mid-card guy now. And it's just, if you took a break from the company, you would have no idea that this guy that was just wasting away in openers and was failing to live up to whatever potential he was assigned when he started his career has now lived up and exceeded those potentials. He's one-third of the Open the Triangle Gate champions. He was the star of this match, which was a match that I just thought was excellent. And it goes back to what I talked about at the start of the show, of the idea of Dragon Gate fully embracing this concept and embracing... The, the, uh, the standards and the setting that was at play here, they played with the idea of it being an empty arena match. They played with the people in the crowd. There was a big run-in spot in the end with almost everybody in the audience that was just thrilling to watch. I loved this match.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing with Daya, and I've said this before, but for new listeners, getting the Dragon name in this company means a whole lot. There's only been a couple people who've gotten the name, and one person who got the name kind of as a rib. But when you're anointed dragon, that's kind of a legacy thing. And for a long time, I was having an issue with the fact that they chose this guy basically to be the grandson of Ultimo Dragon, to be Dragon Kid's son and be uh, Darkness Dragon's nephew, I guess, in a weird way. But he's stepped up so much, and... He has so much of a better look too. He's no longer wearing like basketball shorts and a mask they can barely say on. He looks like a star. He conducts himself like a star. He has the confidence now that he's still 16 months into his career. Like, that's the wild thing is. And he's, I believe, 20 or 21. And putting him in this position and putting him as the focus of this match really gives so much confidence. Into a guy who, this time last year, was struggling even to make the card, and I find that remarkable. And he has—he's really put together his offense. He's—he had like this really crazy flatliner DD, DDT by Daisya Nishida. And, and hey, here's the thing for the future: Kaido Ishida is probably going to be the big heel in this company in five years, and he, I think, has the certain charisma to be a top-line heel on the levels of how Yamato, when he was a heel, uh, Naruki Doi as a heel, Shingo Takagi as a heel, he gets the characterization. And you know who's going to be standing across from him, Case? Who's that? Dragon Daya. Amen. And and I think also some, some credit should go because Maria has had a great finishing sequence in this match, just completely doing the, the best traits of a Maria character. Basically has over the last few months, dropped nearly every Exotico thing about the character and just as focused on being the plucky babyface, which is the best Maria. I think that's easy to say.
0: I completely agree.
1: And great finishing segment and having the idea of Ada and Big shimizu which I still feel like that's just going to be a big feint, really. I do feel like that Ada, eventually they're going to have to turn him face, especially after all this is over like it just does seem I see a lot of analogs between him and Akira Tozawa in 2011 and 2012 so I do I think like that's a fair comparison yeah I do, I do think this is a fake out and it reminds me way too much of the whole thing between Shimizu, Benkei and Ada last year and KZ I mean KZ is always great KZ was great here he kind of was the glue of this match and it just was something that this was as you said doing a empty arena show and basically making it into a, other than like the conceits of Dragon Gate, other than obviously the culture differences. If you would put this show up to something that was taped at the Sportatorium, or it was taped at the uh, studio in Atlanta, or I forget where they used to ta- tape uh, Championship Wrestling from Florida. This was not too dissimilar from this. I mean, or Memphis, like this match was a very much like a Memphis main event in a lot of ways.
0: I think the sooner that people see the territorial similarities between what Dragon Gate tries to do when they tell their stories and what those promotions you just mentioned try to do, yes, the in-ring style is drastically different, but it's also, I think, you know, I mean, we've talked about it at length before of just the unfair criticisms of the Dragon Gate house style and how I don't think they're accurate to the people that are still wanting the territories and that style to be prevalent and relevant in today's modern wrestling landscape. Obviously not the same in the ring, but we're also in a different world than we were then. But storytelling wise, I there other than maybe new Japan's biggest matches and their biggest stories. No company tells stories quite like dragon gate does. And this was two hours of fun,
1: story filled professional wrestling. I I just I loved this show. And as someone who historically this is my least favorite stop of the month. This is always usually the show that Case gets 10 DMs for me complaining about how dry the shows are. This was a show that I mean, this was like no cork and level output, but given what's what the times are, incredible show, incredible watch. And if this is what they decided to do like these this kind of thing for their monthly Sambo Hall shows, I will watch this every month. I will gladly well, watch this every month and yes, not complain. The,
0: the dirty secret is that given the fact that there was one row of chairs on each side of the <laughs> ring, uh, this crowd was still likely louder than a sold-out Sambo Hall show at this point in time. Right. And that is something that I could not stop thinking about as I was watching this, was Genki Horiguchi at ringside as a fan, air quotes fan, was making more noise than pretty much any Sambo Hall fan combined over the past three or four years because this venue, while it's important to the Dragon system, has become dire in terms of fan reaction and also in terms of wrestler output. And it was so nice seeing uh, the venue transformed into something else. and it was just a good it was a good time. We don't know if we want to transition kind of into the future. Mm-hmm. As of right now, Dragate plans on resuming touring on three twenty eight. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the world is changing on a daily basis. We don't know, and especially japan, we uh, we kind of know, but we kind of don't know in terms of the situations of their health on a national scale there. We do know that April fifth uh, in Aichi, Uh, The Open the Triangle Gate Championships will be on the line. It is Ben K, Strong Machine J, and Dragon Diet defending against Yoshino, Fuji, and Yasushi Kanda. And there will be a UT comeback match. UT announced at the end of the 322 show that he would be returning from his broken collarbone, which is excellent news. Mike, your thoughts on these uh, matches that are announced?
1: So, this hasn't really... uh spread through their english accounts yet but we have some cards they did post some cards today like this Ooh, morning like uh, an hour ago uh they are starting back up on gifu uh something that should be said about them going forward uh dragon gate is at least i don't know the exact percentage was but gaura the tv network and the subsidiary of Menenichi broadcasting system owns dragon gate In some fashion, like I don't know necessarily if they now have total ownership or if it's still a share basis, but with Gaura there are some rules about filming stuff. Like there was this big thing about how Russell One as Russell One is winding down, they had a show in front of fans at Oda City and Gaura refuses to air it because they do not believe that they should be having wrestling in front of fans. So we don't know necessarily how this is gonna go. It's also an issue of Japan. It does seem like that, as you mentioned, testing is worse than the United States, actually, at this point, for uh, COVID-19. And they're relying on things more on a city and a prefectural level on having shows. But we do have some cards. Uh, matches that probably won't make tape. I don't think they're going to be taping Nagoya. Like, this is not a normal stop that they would tape, even though they are having a, brave, a triangle gate match. Uh, everything leading up to it, there's nothing really... Worth talking about. They will have a show in Shizuoka. They'll have a show in Chiba, the show in Gifu that you mentioned, and then a show in Nagano. But the show in uh, Nagoya, as you mentioned, UT is making his return. He broke his collarbone in the middle of uh, King of Gate 2019. That was in late May that he got injured. So he'll be back within just under 11 months. They did announce who his return match is. And this is a match that. I hope it makes tape somehow. Whereas UT's return in front of his hometown, him and uh, Kento Kabune his hometown, his return match is one-on-one with KZ.
0: Oh, God, that sounds excellent.
1: Yeah, yeah. Th- there's a lot of real interesting stuff on the show. There's a tag match of Naruki Doi and Dragon Kid versus BB Hulk and Kazuma Sakamoto. That's a match I hope makes tape in some fashion. And, of course, you mentioned the Triangle Gate match of the... Uh, trueborn's defending against the team They actually challenged them at champion gate so they're back on with that we do also have at least one match coming up for the corkin uh, show on the 8th it does seem like that they are running that corkin on february 8th it was something that some people are running corkin now some people are running corkin empty arena some people might as well be running it empty arenas because people aren't coming out and we do have the uh there's two matches actually for that show as I pull up that card. The first one, as we uh, we knew for a while, was going to be the uh, GHC tag match that was supposed to happen at Fe- at March's Corican, which was going to be the GHC tag team champions. Of course, that's from Pro Wrestling Noah of Masaki Mochizuki and Naomichi Marufuji will be defending against the uh, RED team of Takashi Yoshida and Diamante, but also announced last night there is going to be an all-Japan junior heavyweight match between Susumi Yokosuka, who I think will be making his fourth defense of that title case. I think that's four. Something like that, yeah. yeah. He'll be defending against the uh, representing Pancrase mission, Hikaru Sato.
0: Yes. Bizarre matches for a Dragon Gate quirk. And the other thing to note is that as of yesterday, we found out that uh, the Japanese government had asked for, quote, large-scale events, although there's no definition of what that is, but they asked for large-scale events uh, in Tokyo to be canceled through April 12th. This Corkin falls on the 8th, so it would be in that time frame. I tried to find out if they were planning on running an empty arena cork in, uh, much like they did for this show and uh could was I could not get the answer from the people that I talked to. Um, so I don't know what the state of this show is going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to happen. Right, yeah. But if it does, a GHC title match or a tag team title match in an All Japan Junior Heavyweight title match happening on a Dragon Gate
1: show is truly bizarre. Yeah, and this would also be the last Tokyo show before Dead or Alive, because really, if it wasn't for the, the shutdown... The uh, Chapin Gate's kind of the start of the road to Dead or Alive. And that's usually where things start to build up. They have still announced that Korkin show. They're supposed to have two shows in Hakata on the 19th. That is the uh, afternoon-evening doubleheader. Then another show in Kobe, Senbo Hall, on the 21st. And then a doubleheader in Kyoto, KBS Hall, on the 3rd and 4th before Dead or Alive on May 6th. So... We're on the road to dead or alive in one fashion or another. It did seem like that there was going to be a general idea of who might be in the Poessa's cage on that May on that March cork, and there's supposed to be a six way match, right? That was going to be Ada, Bigar Shimizu, Yoshino. I'm naming people off the top of my head. I think that were in it.
0: Yeah, let me see if I can Yamato. find I think that Yamato card was supposed real to be on it. because yeah. we did have, I believe we had the full card. For that Cork and Hall show, but I other than the GHC title match or the GHC tag team title match rather, which they are rescheduling, um, I do not remember what it was. But yes, the main event was going to be a special six way match: Yamato, Yoshino, Kai, Aita, BB Hulk, and Big R Shimizu. That was going to be the main event of Cork, and there was also going to be that Dragon Dia versus Yuki Yoshioka singles match, which never happened. Now Yoshioka is set to go on excursion, but I he probably can't leave the country right now. Right. Um, so who knows? Uh, things are changing on a daily basis, and I hope that Dead or Alive happens in its traditional form because it is always one of the most entertaining shows of the year. But Mike is right. We're, they're running out of Tokyo dates to build to this show, so it will be very interesting to see what happens there.
1: Yeah, and there's also supposed to be a debut coming up of another rookie so they'll have four uh pure rookies supposed to happen on the 11th in Ishikawa but we don't know necessarily what's going to happen there but uh we'll try to keep everyone up to date this is probably the best way to for us to do so we'll be on our twitter account at open voice gate but yeah this is this is a very uh uh situation in a lot of flux, So we'll see how, how things go from there. And that's how things look like they're going to be for the next few months. Uh, we will be back soon with another episode of Open the Voice Gate. Where we'll be doing something a little new. In case you want to preview what we're going to be doing on the next episode.
0: Mike and I have discussed uh, for some time going back and watching uh, all of Dragon Gate USA and we will at least be attempting to do that project starting with our next episode in a full review of Open the Historic Gate live from the ECW Arena, July 25th, 2009. So keep checking your podcast feed because that will be there sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, I think basically our, our idea is, while things are a little crazy, that it's easy for us to just watch these shows and talk about it, and I don't know what our plan will be with going on this at... If things ever get back to normal, I assume we'll probably be doing an episode of this a month, kind of reviewing, going back through it, and that should be coming your way soon in your podcast feed. But I think that's it for this episode, Case okay, so this is actually ended up being a shorter one, but it's good to be back talking Dragon Gate.
0: Absolutely. I should note one real quick news bit just before we go, because like I said, things are changing so quickly. It broke that uh, while we were recording this episode that Ultimo Dragon's Dragon Mania show, which is, I believe, May 29th, has been postponed. I only mention that because it was supposed to have Dragon Gate talent on it. I believe Yamato and Shun Skywalker, among others, were confirmed for it. So that has been postponed to a later date. So we're now seeing shows even towards the end of May that are facing some sort of ramifications due to the health crisis going on. That's all we know on that. I just feel like that's worth noting at the end because it does have dragon gate talent on the show. Other than that, that is all I have. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore in your case. Uh, At least for the time being, I'm doing an IWA mid South rewatch on a daily basis. I've got a list of matches. Uh, I'm watching one a day. That's been a fun time. And if you have not seen on my Twitter, I recently uh, recommended 50 PWG matches that you can watch while social distancing. They are all available on the High Spots Wrestling Network. So I highly recommend if you've seen Glorious Gate, the no fan show that is on the Dragon Gate Network YouTube, to dive into some PWG because there's a lot of fun stuff there. A lot of Dragon Gate talent is featured on that list. And that is all I have. Thank you, Mike Spears, for having me on once again.
1: Yeah, dude, this was a blast. I'm glad to get back to some level of normalcy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at fujiheya. That's Fuji with two eyes like Don Fuji. Uh, I do have my updated Dragon Gate recommendations list where I watch basically everything that makes tape. And I still have... I still need to go back and watch the, some of the Prime Zones, but I give my list of things that if you just want to cherry pick Dragon Gate or if you're just someone that... If you're a spreadsheet pervert and you need to find the stuff that you should watch for your spreadsheet, I have it there. It is my pen tweet there, and you could also follow the show mentioned before at Open VoiceGate. We've been more active on that Twitter account over the last few months, and we'll continue to do so. We post news, give reviews whenever there's something that breaks. We try to get on that fast. But that's going to do it for this episode of Open VoiceGate. Until next time, where we talk, open the historic gate. That'll do it from here. Have a great day, everyone. Take care.